What's an M. Night? M. Night Shyamalan, the Indian filmmaker from Philly. Oh my God, this dude's a big deal. He always you know puts some I mean? like awesome twist at the end of his movies to trick the audience. Oh yeah, yeah, like like in The Sixth Sense, you find out that the dude um, in that hairpiece the whole time, that's Bruce Willis the whole movie. That's not the twist. That's not the twist of that movie. That wasn't the twist. No. Hello and welcome to the M. Night Shift, the podcast where we review and discuss the career of M. Night Shyamalan. I'm your co-host, AJ Gonzalez. And I'm Brian Connolly, the other co-host. All right. Oh, it's been a while. It has been a while. I think yeah. the last one we recorded was early October. Early October. And then we dropped that in the late October. No, early October still. Yep. Because we've been out and about and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. But now we should be back on track to doing this every month. We're about halfway there. Or a little more than halfway there, I think. I think so. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're around the halfway point. But we're definitely, it feels like the halfway point of his career. Where we're starting yes. now today. Right. Um, but first, let's talk about this great scotch that we have here. So, AJ brought out this scotch in what looked to be a Pringles container. A large cylinder. Uh, a very ornate version of a Pringles uh, container. Yes, it's. Well, uh, tell us about this it's scotch. Black and red. Uh, it's Ainsley Bray Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. Uh, it has a bunch of birds on it. <laughs> uh, it's got uh, some devilishly red font on there. Cool. Uh, this is matured in oak casks. It's very good. And, like uh, yes, there is a legend on here. Steeped in history and folklore, the Highland region of Scotland is at the very heart of malt whiskey distillation. This whiskey has been carefully selected and represents all the very best qualities of the region. An aromatic whiskey, fresh and vivid, drawing nicely from the wood, drawing nicely from the wood, Lots of garden fruits and light honey, green gauges and pear, gooseberries, yellow flowers, vanilla, lovely waxy notes, a perfect dram to celebrate a grand occasion. This is good. I think this is one of the better ones we've had. Is this a fancier scotch? Uh, it is. It was. Uh, I got this from Total Wine here in Austin, which is this awesome liquor supermarket very fancy and it was on sale and you can't pass up a single malt scotch that's on sale yeah especially one that comes in a fancy canister and then the bottle also has a cork whoa so that's how you know we're moving up in the world yeah that's how you know it's it's really fancy Uh, that is good it is good all right i gotta be careful i'm driving tonight well gosh let's let's uh talk about this great uh, movie thing. All right, yeah. So we said we're going in chronological order. We lied. We lied, <laughs> kind of. So it turns out the the last Airbender came out like three, two months before, before Devil. Devil. Which is what we're doing tonight, but it just felt right to go from the happening the Devil, and then then do Last Airbender. Yeah, and then you, you know? know, and then Last Airbender would be our December Christmas episode. Yeah, it's a family so, film. Yeah. You know, like well, yeah. So we're doing Devil. Deal with it. It's a too much different. It's fine. 
no one saw either of these movies in the theater. So really, it would just be which one dropped on home video first. <laughs> I don't know. I'm guessing Devil is my guess. So anyways, this DVD had a lot of trailers on it. Oh, my God. Did like, a lot of stuff. Uh, it starts with the Death Race 2 trailer, which had no one of real note in it that I could tell. Because the original, well, the remake, which this is a sequel to, had Statham, Jason Statham yeah. in it. Then this one was some other, you know, like, roguish-looking, you know, bald man with stubble. I I don't even remember. Maybe he's, like, a soccer star. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't remember if it's Vinnie Jones or not. It is definitely not Vinnie Jones. Okay. I don't think so. That movie looked like doo-doo. I never saw the remake, but... I saw the remake. It's... Okay. Isn't it Paul W.S. Anderson? Did he do the first Death Death Race? I don't know, and probably. Then there was a terrible trailer for Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, where they tried to fit it into the trailer of like a regular romantic comedy, where it's like, meet Scott Pilgrim! And like that movie does not lend itself. And it wasn't sarcastic or ironic. Like Edgar Wright, clearly enough to do this trailer, it was just a regular shitty romantic comedy trailer but for scott pilgrim vs. the world because clearly the studio had no idea how to sell that movie to people at home video that was crazy uh it, like that was insane like that, i didn't like i'd never seen the trailer for that movie before and that was wild i have not seen that trailer <laughs> before but that was the one to yes try and trick the uh regulars the regulars just home video didn't work into watching it Paul W.S. Anderson did direct the Death Race remake. What year? 2008? 2008. So, right after There Will Be Blood. <laughs> Wait, different well, Paul Anderson. Well, that's his, uh, that's his pseudonym, right? Or, I would like to think it's the same guy, and he's just like, you know, I do my, you know, boogie nights, and then I do my Resident Evil, and then I do my Punch Shark Love, and then I do the Musketeer. You know, it's just nice, to, it's nice to think that the guy who did the master also did Mortal Kombat. Why not? <laughs> Let's just say, what does the WS stand for? Could also be Wes Anderson. It could be Paul West S. Anderson. And so Wes Anderson, Paul and Paul Thomas Anderson, and Paul W.S. Anderson are the same guy. Sure. Let's start that urban legend right now. Uh, so then, so after Scott Pilgrim, there was this very depressing commercial it took a break from movies specific movies to have one of those like generic like watch movies all the time trailer but this was one of the most depressing ones i've ever seen where it starts with like people watching a laptop a movie on a laptop at lover's lane so they're outside on lover's lane just watching a crappy little movie on their shitty little laptop and then people, like, watching shit on their phone. And this is all, like, pro that. It's like, watch it, like, wherever you go. Like, a kid in a grocery store that his parents just want nothing to do with and is, like, staring at a phone, watching a movie, sitting in the shopping cart. And then the one that was really interesting was the man on the bench watching a movie on his phone, ignoring his friends behind him playing basketball. So just being, it's just, like, it's just announcing the end of the world, basically, this trailer, just being, like, Shut out all contact with your family and friends. It doesn't matter what they're doing. And just watch this movie on your phone and just sit there. Like, how weird would that be? Whether you're taking a break at ba- basketball or about to play or you weren't at all. And you're just sitting there with your back to your friends watching your a movie on your phone outside. Like, that's so odd. Like, what are you doing? Like, you couldn't wait to watch that movie when you got home? That's insane. Who does this? <laughs> It's crazy. 
I don't know about you, but that was a depressing trailer. (laughs) It was. It was very, yeah, odd. It was, uh, I think it was a... like digital codes or digital something. HD. Like yeah. you can watch movies anywhere. Like when you're ignoring your friends, <laughs> your children can <laughs> ignore you and what? Yeah. And then you're like, Oh, I thought I'm done with trailers. And then we get a trailer for that really boring George Clooney movie. The American, the American God, that movie sucks. I remember kind of liking uh, it. It's so boring. It's it one is of those fake Melville movies. It is. Yeah. And it's one of the, um, the movies that is like so low key and art house that George Clooney gets naked and shows you his butt, <laughs> and like no one notices, no one knows because no one has seen The American. But it wasn't as low key and art house enough for George Clooney to direct it. No, that's oh. when you know it's really boring. So it's not that boring, but it's still pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> No offense, George Clooney, if you're listening to this. No, yes, uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. <laughs> great movie. A truly great movie. Great film. movie. Um, and he is a great actor. He is a great actor and a good human being. Um, he punched uh, David O. Russell in the yeah. face. We can all wish they have that. a 14-year-old boy, and he punched David O. Russell in the face. But now let's talk about the movie Devil. Devil, all right. Released in September 17th of 2010. Had a uh, budget... Of ten million dollars, went on to gross totally gross thirty three point five million. So it made a profit. Yeah, so this is like an okay hit. Um, not a big monster hit, but you know it made its money back and then some. Uh, story by M Night Shyamalan, produced by M Night Shyamalan, directed by John Eric Dowdle. Still has a career. Yep. And it was screenplay was actually written by Brian Nelson. No idea who that is. And this is part one of the Night Chronicles. And you might ask yourself, well, what are the other parts of Night Chronicles? Well, guess what? There aren't any. It was only this one. So it's weird that it made money and they still were like, well, we're, this is the only one we're doing. Because it was supposed to be a trilogy, I think, of the Night, uh, the Night Chronicles. And... Uh, According to M. Night Shyamalan on the extra features, he wanted to be sort of this sort of like you knew that you're going to get this special, the stamp of M. Night Shyamalan, but he was going to gift to these budding writers and directors and people that he really admires this idea, this kernel of an idea that he has, and they're going to go with it under this umbrella of the Night Chronicles. Yeah, it's, um, oh man, what, a, <laughs> what an idea. But yeah, he lists the criteria for it to be a Night Chronicle, like, one, I have to want to direct it myself. But he then doesn't direct it himself. He hires a young up-and-coming filmmaker to direct it. Like, the whole idea behind the Night Chronicles, it seems like a good one to me. Like, every year, you're going to have a horror thriller, like, under this banner, but it won't be the same movie so like right now what do we get every october we get what are they still doing purge movies or you know whatever purge insidious Insidious. it was like saw before that paranormal activity like every october you get hey guess what it's that same movie again except now everyone's hispanic or something you know paranormal activity (laughs) las fantasmas or whatever that was called (laughs) (laughs) but that would be cool and then it's like Oh, and then Shyamalan is creating, like, a mini studio where, yeah, he'll decide, like, the idea is, like, this one, and you, you there, kid, you direct this. 
and you, you direct this other one. But it didn't really work. Yeah, I wonder why. I wonder why it didn't. If it made money and it clearly was low budget, it was a ten million movie. It made thirty. Why not keep doing that? Like maybe that was what he should have done instead of making these kind of bigger movies at the same time he was doing. It could have been like a Zelman King sort of situation. We're like, <laughs> Zelman King's The Red Shoe Diaries. But Zelman King's out making all these Red Shoe Diaries. He just lends his name and he knows it's going to have that erotic Zelman King yeah. touch to well, every episode. At around this time, uh, I, the M. Night Shyamalan name, not as big of a powerhouse as it once but was. But I think they were hoping it still was. But if this was, in fact, a few months after The Last Airbender, it didn't kind of didn't. You know, lend itself to being more successful, but it still made a profit, so that's a thing. Yeah. So the movie, whose turn is it to describe the plot of this movie? Is it my turn or your turn? All right, so I'll do Devil. Okay, this is an easy one. So movie opens with a priest, or was it a priest or just a religious person? I couldn't tell. <laughs> uh, whether you should ask, it's uh, just a religious okay, person. Okay, the rosary beads. Throwing, but like well dressed. I think that's what I thought it was a yeah. priest. It was a well dressed person. Throws themselves off a building, slamming into like the top of this like truck. And then the cops show up and are like, hmm, well, this is interesting. What is this? And they realized, well, it looks like he bounced and he did a thing. And meanwhile, while this is going on, a bunch of people are getting on an elevator. You're like, why are we focused on these people getting on an elevator while this cop is investigating this? Um, Weird suicide. Um, and then they realize, like, it doesn't seem like a suicide. Why would he be clutching rosary? Like, there's, like, all these questions. Like, it didn't seem like there's something weird with this. And then everyone's getting in the elevator. And then you realize that the movie is also about all these people in an elevator. The elevator gets stuck, like, on the 23rd floor or something like that. Uh, and there are, there are a crazy, kooky bunch of people, all very different and then while they're on the elevator, strange things start to happen, like the lights flicker on and off. Uh, something bites a lady or something, like rips something, a piece of her flesh out of her back. And then slowly, whenever the lights go off, the lights go back on and one of the people is dead. And it just keeps happening and the people keep blaming each other. But then the audience and the characters realize that there's something more supernatural and weird going on here. This isn't just a person killing a person. It is, in fact... Something more demonic, perhaps. And then it turns out that it is the devil. The devil is there. Kind of, so the elevator kind of works as a purgatory for these people. They all have the stuff in their past that kind of led them to this moment where they must be punished or you know taken to hell or whatever. And then, uh, and then there's all these coincidences and like Shyamalan tech twists that happen. And then it ends. Uh, on a somewhat positive note, I guess, in a way, uh, right? Like, yeah, kind of, yeah. Oddly enough. Uh, and it, the whole movie kind of feels like a religion, more religious than most Shyamalan things. It feel, feel, yes. feels very... Totally. It's basically, uh, if you were to describe this as a genre, it's a, it's a faith-based elevator horror film. You know, that genre. <laughs> uh, and so that's basically the plot. It mostly... I, I thought the movie was just going to take place in the elevator, but it doesn't. It kind of cuts between the elevator and this detective running around the skyscraper trying to figure out, and the people who work in the skyscraper trying to figure out how to get the people out of the elevator. So you have this sort of like ticking time clock. we got to get people out of this tight space thing, but at the same time them dealing with this like supernatural happenings within the confinements of this elevator. The uh, people in the elevator are surprisingly unimportant to the... 
plot of the movie. Until the end. But we can go into further details uh, <laughs> well, as we're talking about the movie. So yeah, this, it's a, it's, I guess it's a horror film. It's not very scary at all. There's nothing that's really scary. It's incredibly violent for a PG-13 movie, which yeah. is very shocking. There's a lot of blood. Uh, I thought it was R until oh. um, I saw it again. That's it's the power PG-13. that M. Night had back then. He could, It's like Spielberg, you know, just being like, well, normally this would be R-rated, but because it's me, you're going to go PG-13 because you want that money. Because <laughs> if this was R, there's no way it would have made $30 million. No. No, it would not. What's it? Oh, this movie, it tries to use like blackouts to create tension. Oh my God, what's happening? You just hear noises, except it doesn't really work, opposed to like in, in Signs, when there's a blackout scene in that, or in Wait Until Dark, where the climax takes place in total darkness. And I think it's because since this, uh, you know, this wants to be a mystery as well as a horror movie. So it's hiding the identities and the, the characters, the past of these elevator people. So when, <laughs> like, oh my God, what's, what's going on to these people? Like, well, I don't know who these people are. Some of them seem like assholes. And then it turns out they're all assholes. <laughs> and the devil has come to torture them before uh, taking their souls down to hell. And it also isn't scary because after you know the pattern of, oh, whenever the lights go off, one of these people will be dead, then you know to expect that every time. No, and because uh, – maybe it's because of the rating. Though the first death was was the bloody one. Mm-hmm. When the lights go down, I'm not in, in suspense like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? What crazy thing will there be when the lights come back on? Even though some crazy stuff does happen when the lights come back on. Yeah. Like, and you, and it, yeah, it doesn't work it's, it's being scared because you, yeah, you don't – you feel for the detective out of all the characters, and there's nothing scary happening to him. He's just kind of running around trying to figure out why these people are in the elevator. And the people in the elevator, you find out their past as it's going on, so you're not as invested in them emotionally – you're not like worried. Like it doesn't matter which of them dies in whatever order, basically. And then, yeah, as you start to figure out that they're all terrible people, then it really doesn't matter that anything bad happens to them because, like, oh, these are all the worst. And so you have the people. So you have first you have this detective played by Chris Messina from uh, the Mini Project. Yes. Uh, this was one of the first things he was in. I think that people cared about at a moment in time. Is that like I don't thing is I didn't recognize him until recently as a person in movies has he been around and i just didn't notice uh before this he was in vicky christina barcelona okay um he went on to be in argo and the mindy project uh he's one of those guys with all due respect like i never remember the face or the name so he shows up in something and i'm like chris messina that sounds familiar (laughs) oh right he's an actor So he plays a detective, and of course he has the background of like, I'm the troubled guy whose family had a horrible tragedy, and I'm just dealing with this pain, He's but you know, I'm, just in, I'm in AA, and gosh, yeah, it's just like kind of that old tale. And then you have in the elevator, you have uh, Bokeem Woodbine, the yes. brilliant Bokeem Woodbine, as a uh, security guard for the building who has to deliver a report up, up to the top floor. 
and so he's going in the elevator, and then you have this lady who's in a hurry, and she doesn't want to sign in, and she's, she's a regular, you know her, and she's going to the top of the floor. And then you have this older lady who, uh, you know, is just kind of a jerk, and she's a, she's a grumpy old lady, and then you have sort of the cocky business guy, and then you have sort of like the loner, like guy in a baseball cap who's kind of like, you know, looking at, you know, shoegazing sort of type of guy. Yeah. And then you find out that they all have these horrible secrets in their past that involve murder and just sort of like like money stealing and just like all these bad things. And that's why the devil has come to kind of yeah. like group them all together. And then while you have all this early on, you have the neurotic uh, Hispanic uh, security guy who knows, of course, because he's Hispanic, deeply religious Catholic who knows everything about the Bible and the devil and can just like tell everybody what's going on. And he's the one on his knees praying. Whenever he gets really nervous, he prays in Spanish. And then yes. when he's trying to explain to people, he explains As we all do. <laughs> and, uh, and he's the one who kind of walks uh, the detective through like, this is the devil because of this, and this is the thing. And he, and he has all these, and he's narrating <laughs> the movie, which is very strange. Yes, it's very strange. I thought... Like from my memory, I thought it was the detective, or yeah. it was the uh, the the shoegazing mechanic who uh, <laughs> he's the only one to confess his sins, so the devil then can't take him. That's how it works. Because that's that's the law. <laughs> yeah, and why? Like, so why is he the narrator? It's confusing for like the first half hour. I was like, who's telling the story? Is this what? Who's telling? No, because you this? don't meet him for a long time. And yeah. then he's not that important of a character other than that he has exposition. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this religious thing is happening. Well, who, what kind of character is going to tell people about the religious thing? Well, it has to be a, a Hispanic guy <laughs> because that's just how it is. And it's one of these stereotypes that I'm simultaneously like, I don't care about it. And also, oh, I've seen enough. <laughs> Where they'll just be just the Hispanic character on screen and like, oh my god, there's a brown person on screen and they're not talking with some ridiculous accent and there's no story about how like, oh yeah, my mother's an immigrant. That's why I'm brown, you know, because you can't just be born brown in the United States in a movie. There has to be some sort of explanation about it. And then something spooky happens. They're like instantly, ah, Santa Maria, <laughs> cross themselves and start praying in Spanish. Yeah. And he has like, so he has these, these, okay, I guess it's from the Bible. I don't know. I've never read it. Uh, it's I'm from not... his grandmother. Okay. This, um, is this I had a real thing. I haven't read all of the, no stuff like this is only from your grandmother's. My grandmother told me different stories about how the devil comes to yeah. earth and messes with people. Um, yeah, something like this, it's only from Hispanic grandmothers. <laughs> I haven't read all of the Bible, but this, uh, Devil's Meeting is what it's called, or what he calls it. Not in the Bible. <laughs> and the rules in it, also not in the what, Bible. So what are the rules of the Devil's Meeting? How does it work? The rules are that, so, like, just every once in a while, the Devil comes to Earth, takes human form. To come to earth and collect souls, bad souls. And a suicide always precedes his uh, his arrival. Like a suicide makes it possible. Because that's the worst, one of the worst sins you can do if you're a Catholic person. 
is kill yourself. It's worse than molesting a child, according to the Catholic Church. <laughs> 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 and then, like, yeah, a bunch of bad people gather, and the devil traps them and then messes with them before taking their souls down. And then, and that's basically it. Oh, and then it's supposed to end with like the last soul has to be in front of a loved one. Right? Yeah. You know, that weird thing kind of added at the end, like the last soul the devil takes has to be in front of like the person who cares. Yes, about the and then they the keep most. adding all these like little stupid addendums to the story. Like, and the last one, it has to be in front of someone that they love. And oh, uh, sometimes like other people, good people, they'll try and help the trap people escape, and they'll die. You know, just because that happens sometimes. And it doesn't feel like these were a random bunch of people. It seemed like they were brought together for a purpose. So if the devil has that power to control the free will of human beings, shouldn't this be much easier for the devil every day to do this all the time? It, yeah, like, it should. And then, so the the main, the mechanic, and because that's, these characters have names, but... The, they are not credited by their names in the movie. So the mechanic the Logan, Logan Mitchell Green is just mechanic. He confesses his sin to save the uh, the young woman who's who plays young woman. She's a uh, uh, yeah, Bojana Bojana. Novakovic. Novakovic, okay. Uh, yeah, to save her life because she's like bleeding out. He confesses his sins, and his sin is that he got really drunk and ran over uh, Christmasina's Christmas family. family. That's a twist. Yeah, and then he uh, he leaves a little note saying, "I'm so sorry," and then rides away. And then the devil's like, "Oh, damn." So the, I really wanted you because since the person confessed, now the devil can't take them to hell, which doesn't really make sense. But sure. So really anyone can get out of this if they just say, like, oh, I feel so bad. And I guess the idea is, <laughs> which he wrote in that note, um, I guess the idea is like, well, now that person's confessed it, they can now start to atone yeah. for their sins. Uh, but at the same time, like, wouldn't the devil want these bad people to get away with their sins and just go out there and keep doing more bad stuff? It's the devil's bidding. <laughs> it seems like, you know, if the person that wants bad people punished uh, w- would be God. I think the devil's game is just that. It's just the devil's bored. He's bored for a f- few hours. He's like, I'm just going to be a dick to these people for a few hours. This will be fun. Like, uh, maybe I'll get a soul. Maybe I won't. But, you know. We'll murder some people in the elevator, kill a Thursday, <laughs> then do something else. You know, maybe they don't get good TV in hell. Yeah, so it's a weird premise, not based on anything that I've never heard of. And then the way the neurotic Hispanic uh, security guard convinces everyone that it's real is another one that I've never heard of, where he takes a guy's jellied toast, throws it in the air, and because it lands jelly side down, that's proof that it's the devil, because if it wasn't the devil, why would the delicious jelly part of the toast 
end up on the ground. Yes, why would the heavy part of the toast end <laughs> up on the ground? <laughs> but that was his that was his main that was his argument. Like, it's like, hey, like you ever notice you ever notice how little kids they'll they'll trip and fall and they'll almost hit the edge of a table, but they won't. And toast always lands jelly side up. But, that, but today, but then the devil comes and everything's all backward and upside down. How often are we dropping toast with jelly on it to know to the, know that the devil how is often there. that it like goes the one way? And, <laughs> and people hit their people, kids hit their heads on things <laughs> all, all the time. time. <laughs> like most kids are pretty bruised up. I fell down the stairs when I was three, cracked my head open. Ooh, I broke my arm when I was five. <laughs> But yeah, that was really ridiculous, and everyone and a lot, and that kind of like convinces some of the people who are like, "Well, hmm, he's on to something there." It did land jelly side down, uh, and then on top of that, the proof is, and uh, the way that this guy finds this out, the the body, the security guard, is it while they're watching the security cam footage because that, that's how they're able to communicate in this movie. So there's like a security camera in the elevator that these people can watch them; they can hear what's going on in the elevator. Or no, they can't hear what's going on in the elevator, but the people in the elevator can hear the security people, which is weird because it's not all elevators have those red phones in it, so you can like talk to people, yeah, emergency phones. But uh, but when they're watching it, they have there's a quick like flash of like the devil's face or something like that. Who knows why? It is you know, and uh, on the on the within the static, and then it happens like again. There's like twice it happens where there's like this kind of flash of satanic uh, imagery through video somehow. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was enough to be like, "Oh my God, it's the devil!" And the devil's face doesn't look very scary. No, it, and it goes unfortunately. Right really quick. Um, so yeah, that was weird. The jelly side thing. Basically, this whole movie feels like a twenty-eight minute long Tales from the Dark Side episode stretched out to eighty minutes. At least it's only eighty minutes long. But I felt like this, like maybe the M Night Chronicles should have been a TV show. Yeah, you know, that like been maybe great. it should have been just like a half hour Tales from the Crypt, Twilight Zone type thing because it's clearly what they're kind of aiming for here, where it's like it's a horror thing, but it's more it's like a morality play. You know, you're gonna learn a thing, but through this horror story, and it's a simple premise. Like that's you're basically describing an episode of the uh, of the Twilight Zone. Or, yeah, or Tales so, from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt was oddly a lot of those were like morality plays. Mm-hmm. They were all just like bad people getting their comeuppances. Mm-hmm. Funny you mentioned that this should be like a TV show because for you Twilight Zone fans like me, you probably thought, "Hey, this reminds me of the episode Five Characters in Search of an Exit," in which five totally different random people are trapped inside this mysterious uh, circular room. They have, in this in the episode, they have no memory of how they got there. There's no windows or doors. And they spend 20 minutes like talking to each other and trying to figure out how to uh, get out of this place because there is a, like a ledge way up, way up top. And they have to climb up on top of each other to peer over the ledge. What's the twist? Where are they? What, what happens? One of them makes it over falls onto the ground, and it turns out that this is a bin of unwanted toys. Oh, man. And the little boy picks up the toy. The guy that makes it over is, uh, like, the doll, uh, an Air Force guy, yeah. Army guy doll. 
and he like looks at it his mother like tugs on him and so he throws it back in the bin and there's a close-up of the doll and it has a tear streaking down its face <laughs> the end man that's like toy story three level brutality that's depressing <laughs> yeah. but yeah this should have been a half hour episode of a tv show it should be uh in the special features Shyamalan and the filmmakers talk about how like this is they want this to be like an agatha christie type story like mm-hmm. and then there were none mm-hmm. where people slowly disappear and die one by one uh the thing is with agatha christie is she's really good at writing those kinds of stories and also the name of her stories aren't the name of the murderer usually yeah so calling the movie devil you're like well let me guess this is something the devil's doing something like if they had called it something else then you'd for a while be watching it be like, what is going on in this elevator? Is there a monster? Is there a murderer? Oh, it's the devil. But if you call the movie Devil, from the get-go, you're going to be like, let me guess, the devil is kind of doing some evil deeds here. So there's really no surprise when it ends up being the devil or when the guy's like, it's the devil. Like, yeah, of course it is. That's what the movie's called. Yes, like I assume so. Yeah, whenever there's people like trapped in a space trying to figure out who the... Uh you know who the killer is who did whatever the filmmakers always try and like oh yeah this is like an agatha christie thing except it's not done well like it's not done well here uh, tarantino said that the the hatful the hateful eight <laughs> the hatful eight there's a lot of hats in that movie uh he wanted that was gonna be like his agatha christie story and there's one scene where they stand around and try and figure out who the murderer is and then it's Three hours of nonsense. I did not like the hateful eight, but with with Agatha Christie, the like you're really invested in the mystery, and she comes up with great twists and surprises, and so it really builds to something. And she has great characters like Poirot and Miss Marple, yeah. who are insanely smart people, and it's fun just watching them figure this mystery out. There's no real mystery to Devil. The devil is here to punish people. What? Yes. Whether they're bad or not, he's he's just fucking with people. And there's so many parts of the movie where it's like, I think that person maybe stabbed that person, or maybe that person grabbed that person, or that's supposed to be a secret hitman to kill that lady. He's like, well, no, it's the devil, so none of those things you think is what it is, and we as an audience will never think that it is anything other than the devil, because the movie's called Devil. It starts with someone clutching rosary beads, jumping off a building. Like Clearly, this is the, the bad guy, is... The evil from hell, not any of these yeah. people. And so it's just kind of boring. The movie, for an 80-minute movie, does not fly by. It, it, it is a very dragging, drags and drags on 80-minute movie. So the people, the cast, the people trapped in the elevator, it's Bokeem Woodbine as guard. The guard. <laughs> and these people, they all like have names, but uh, since part of the mystery is like, oh, like who are these people? <laughs> the cop has to figure out like who they are and that's not a very But I don't even know why it's it's weird when that happens when they when when Christmas scene is like, wait, we gotta find out who what's that person's name? Why are they in the elevator? Where are they going? It's like what that was before even murders happened. That was just yeah. when they were stuck in the elevator. He was like he was trying to figure out who they were. It's like, just get them out of the elevator. Just yeah. get them out of the elevator. You don't need to know who they are. So Bokeem Woodbine's uh sin crimes are he has a record of assault. He almost like he put someone in a coma and he's just a temp. So that's why the security company didn't catch that, uh, that big red flag in his background. 
The uh, Logan Mitchell Green is the mechanic, killed Chris Messina's family. Oh, man, I already forgot to say her name. Bojana Novakovic, the young woman, she's married to this super rich guy, and she's going to divorce him and take all his money. And that's just what she does. Clearly a sin worthy of eternal damnation. (laughs) (laughs) And you have Jenny O'Hara as old woman who is a pickpocket, basically. Yeah, kleptomaniac. But twist, it turns out she's the devil. Now, were we supposed to think that she was always the devil, or was her body possessed by the devil? I think she was... Always the devil. Why is the devil wasting time pickpocketing people? See, the devil's just bored this day. Just a bored devil. Maybe the devil did. But then why didn't the devil possess any of the other people already dead? Like the the last guy who's actually... Is he the first guy in the elevator? No. um, Jeffrey Arendt. uh, He plays a salesman. And his his crime is... uh, He's a Ponzi scheme guy. But at this moment in his life, he's like a cocky mattress salesman. Yeah. And he'll sell you that mattress whether you want it or not. Fun fact, this actor, married to Christina Hendricks. Yes, Jeffrey <laughs> Jeffrey Arend. That's how you say his name. Jeffrey Arend is most famous for being married to Christina Hendricks. And most famous for being the goofy looking guy married to Christina Hendricks. Yes. Giving yep. all men hope around the world that no matter how goofy you look, you could be with a beautiful lady, too. Yep. And they are still married. We, <laughs> we checked. And he, you might recognize him from, the only thing that I would recognize him from, is he's one of the paranoid potheads at the beginning of Super Troopers. I think he's the one who eats all the weed. Yeah, and then he like, thinks yeah. he's a frog and starts yeah. looking the window. So, yeah, that guy, playing cocky mattress salesman in this. Um, Jacob Vargas plays the Hispanic security guard. And... Matt Craven plays the other security guard. He has been in... He's one of those character actors who's been in like 100 movies. Crimson Tide, A Few Good Men. He was in X-Men First Class. Anytime you need a... Like an old white guy. (laughs) He'll show up. So that's basically the movie. There's not a lot to it. And the thing that's sad is as... Kind of silly as the Shenmue movies have been getting at this time, he would have made a much better movie if he wrote and directed it. I think so. You know? Like, even at this time in his life, I think post-happening, he would have made... The movie would have looked better. It's The directing's kind of flat. So that, I think that the most interesting thing is the opening credits where you see buildings upside down, but even that novelty wears off after about five seconds. You're like, okay, it's buildings upside because down. Because the devil is, is here, so everything's upside down. So the beginning is is the, the Philadelphia skyline, but it's upside down and you're zooming over the city. And then at the very end, Philadelphia skyline's right side up. But the camera work, pretty boring. Like in pretty the elevator, boring, it's pretty ta- straightforward. It's Tom Fujimoto. I know. Again, it was like, what, what's happened? But if Shyamalan had directed, I feel he would have had more interesting ways of capturing the performances in the, in the confinement of the elevator. He would have had more. He has a, an eye. That this director played does not have or was not allowed to have while making this movie. Uh, and then he would have, if he had written it, it would have been funnier, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> the only really <laughs> funny stuff comes from <laughs> comes from Jeffrey Arend, who's the only who's the only character in the elevator that's willing to like, hey, like, let's dance to the elevator music. Like, let's, you know, lighten the mood and try and have a good time. Yeah. 
And, and it, it maybe would have been as heavy-handed with its uh, stuff. Like, Shemlin, I feel, tries to be... His movies are always about faith. The message is clear. But the message but... is clear, but it's sort of, like, buried. Like, if you're not a religious person exactly, you can still kind of enjoy it and not feel like you're being hit. You not feel like you're watching a... A faith-based... A faith-based movie. Like, even The Signs, which is about a priest who's lost his faith, it kind of... You get lost in the sci-fi story. Whereas this, you kind of are constantly reminded always that these people... It's one of those movies like, yeah, and if you don't believe... If you don't believe in the devil, it's not scary enough for that to not matter. Like, if you don't believe... I think if you don't believe in the devil, but you watch The Exorcist... It's still scary! You'll still be scared by, like, the monster girl that's happening. And the jumps in the there. filmmaking. Was, yeah, this one, you have to be like, oh, man, that's the devil. They're oh, in yeah. some trouble. Oh, yeah, there's a place for bad people, and <laughs> there's a dude that runs it who's trying to collect all the bad people. But, yeah, if Shemlin had made it, it would have been better, I think. Um, and maybe he thought that, and maybe that's why he trashed the Night Chronicles. So I'm sure he was part of the decision-making of why there's no more Night Chronicles. I think he's just like, eh, he would, I forget mean, it. Because this would there. have to be his his own thing, idea, his own call. It's not like who distributed this movie, Universal, was like, hey, we want to do the Night Chronicles. And I think as much of the nice idea he had of giving this to other people, I bet he didn't like, ultimately, the process of his name being another thing that wasn't his. That wasn't his, that was mediocre. Like, if you, you know, I'm sure he thinks all his movies are real good. And, you know, he works hard on them. It was something you do yourself. Even if the end product is like mediocre, then it's like, well, hey, I know what I did on that, so I can still, I can still have some pride in what I did. You know, I tried my best at least. Having someone else do that, but your name is still on top, and your name is the marketing tool for this movie. It's like, oh, well, I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not really responsible for that. I mean, the, yeah, he's a producer, but the producer. I mean, unless it's things are really out of control, doesn't come in on the set and just shut things down yeah. and change the direction of the movie. Yeah, and this isn't just like somebody producing thing. It's like it's called the Night Chronicles. Like his name was used to advertise this movie. So it's like if it fails for you critically or commercially, you're the number one guy to blame. Yeah, and for so it. yeah, he's still being sold as the creative force behind this movie, though. You know, he did not write the full screenplay. He didn't direct it. And I think they probably were banking on that most people don't know what that means. You know, that people, how people make movies, they probably are just it's like, it's like a regular Steven Spielberg's Batteries Not Included situation. Yes, like, Steve, oh, I would go see the new Steven Spielberg movie, Batteries Steven Not Spielberg's Included. Richard Donner's The Goonies. <laughs> Steven Spielberg's Robert Zemeckis' Back to the Future. So it's like most regular people don't know, you know, they don't research or care who writes or directs it unless it's like, once you get into that, like Alfred Hitchcock presents or John Carpenter's blah, blah, blah. And, and Shyamalan got into that group. So when you see M. Night Shyamalan's The Devil, The Shyamalan in your mind, you're like, that movie's made by the guy who made The Sixth Sense. I like the movie. I'm going to go see this movie. Like they don't look up, you know, who these people are. Mm -hmm. And now they're going to leave this movie thinking that Shyamalan made a bad movie. And I'm sure Shyamalan was like, well, I don't like that. I want to fail my own terms. Like Gary Marshall said to you once. Yes, that's that's the best <laughs> the best advice I've ever gotten was from Gary Marshall. 
It wasn't to me directly. I'll I'll admit that he was speaking to an auditorium of people, which you were in, which I was in, and he ended with, uh, "My advice to you kids is, if you're gonna fail, fail on your own terms because of decisions you made, not because of something someone else talked you into." Exit to Eden was all me. It's and it's his best movie, not a <laughs> failure in my book. I want to mention, just go over quick. So it's PG-13. It's a horror movie. The deaths, like, they range from bloody to silly. Mm -hmm. So the first person to die, Jeffrey Arend, gets a big shard of mirror in his neck. And that's basically the most bloody graphic one. And he, like, shakes and bleeds to death. Yeah, it's pretty upsetting for PG-13. The second person to die is the old woman who gets hung by what I don't know. Well, I think at that point we're supposed to think like somebody in the elevator in that 10 seconds where the lights were out, were able to tie a noose up through a thing, put her neck through it, and choke her to death within five seconds. And and probably the best one, Bokeem Woodbine gets his head turned around. (laughs) Like it's a screw cap and it got turned around. And at that point, there's still people in the movie thinking, like, I think these people, one of these guys is killing these people. Like, no, what human being can turn somebody's head around? (laughs) That's not a thing. It's not a thing. And oh, by (laughs) the way, the movie is called Devil. (laughs) And so these, the cops, uh, Chris Messina's cop, he's no Poirot, he's no Miss Marple. He's just like, hmm, like, there has to be somebody. Let's let's focus on finding out who these people are. And then I was really confused at his tactic of let's close the building down and let, not let anyone out just so we know who these people were going to meet with. In the they building. all get like, that had mean, anything to do with the huge, elevator like shutting down. It's a huge Philly skyscraper, and it seems like there's a lot of people in the lobby, but... That skyscraper has to hold more people than that. And he starts to figure out a scheme like, oh, the the young woman, she's married to the guy that owns the security company and possibly the building. And Bokeem Woodbine works for that company. And, oh, maybe that's how he got got hired because it's all part of some – the rich guy's plan to murder his wife and blame it on – the devil i guess (laughs) and hey if that had been presented as like a legitimate (laughs) a legitimate uh alternative you could be invested in that but uh it's not it's it's basically they're just killing time with finding out these people's pasts yeah it explains why they're there but by then they're dead sure like hey it's great that this devil doesn't fuck with good people like the devil in the exorcist just possesses some little girl just to try and make everyone lose their faith uh this devil's just going after bad people and not even the worst people no and- again like ponzi scheme <laughs> bad but yeah it's not like oh this guy's secretly a serial killer or yeah. this person has like someone locked up in their basement and it's also weird, too, that this big skyscraper doesn't have a better plan for when an elevator gets stuck. I and mean, when it happens, they all are like, well, what the heck are we supposed to do about this? It's like, you should have had a pretty good plan as to what to do. Like, you're a building with a bunch of elevators in it. Like, you should have some idea of what to do if this happens. But it's like this weird, like, where nobody knows what to do. 
and it all goes wrong and they can't figure it out. I was like, there must be a better way to figure out how to get people out of an elevator. Like they just like, it's just total mayhem for the whole time where they're just like, I don't know. I guess we got to lower a guy here, but you know, then we got to the fire department. And it's like, well, how do you not know? And how is there not a phone for these people to talk to you on? And you can't talk to them. I was in. It doesn't uh, make any sense. I've had. Have you ever had scary experiences in the elevator? Yeah. Spooky. I've uh, yeah. the elevators in my school in the dorm room. It was a twenty-floor dorm room in New York, and occasionally the elevators would freak out. And I was in one. I was just going up to the fourth floor. It was the elevator was entirely empty, which is why I was taking it up to four because if they're upper class, and I was like a freshman. If there are upperclassmen in the elevators and they all like snark at you for taking it up only four flights, like, oh, I'm on 16, whatever. But instead of going to four, the elevator stops, the doors kind of shake, but they don't open, and then it speeds up really quick to the top floor. It stays there for a moment. I'm holding on to the railing at this point. Then the doors open up, and I just jump the hell out. <laughs> And then the doors close and it like quietly goes to another floor. <laughs> and then you look at the, uh, it had like a display of what floors it was yeah. on. And it seemed to be working fine. Did you take the stairs all the way down? I did take the stairs all the way like, down. You're like, no elevator for me. It's like, no, no way. <laughs> yeah, never had a problem in an elevator. Never in my life. I wonder if only in movies is it that when people are trapped in a situation, do they like start? freaking out and like talking to strangers <laughs> about their lives it's either that or that usually people have sex with each other in an elevator that's usually what happens in the movies either like the romantic thing happens like in it wasn't there an episode of friends where two of them are stuck in an elevator and they end up like kissing or something like, doesn't it happen is there something like know. that i don't know about friends know. but yeah that's probably when happens. we do our friends podcast when we go through every episode we'll uh oh, <laughs> and then uh and or yeah, or you all go crazy and everyone like starts to become animalistic within the amount of time of an hour. Within one hour, everyone like loses their head and just goes insane. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, the the DVD has some good extra features. Pretty slim. Yeah, they are each uh, like two minutes long, and you can tell that they clearly interviewed people for about a minute, and then just used that minute and spread it out. So they, they like Shyamalan gave them one minute of his time, and then they just use these little snippets. Sometimes the same snippets on a variety of really brief extra features that you wonder what they were made for because they don't seem like they were made for DVD. They seem like they're trying to advertise the movie, so they're like three minute long. Like this movie's gonna scare you. It's like an episode of The Twilight Zone. You're like okay, Devil, and you're like that wasn't really an extra feature I needed. There's one where a guy's got like a really fancy hat and he's talking about the devil and I'm like, who's this guy? Oh yeah, <laughs> he's like guy. a he's like devil expert. Yeah, he's like a folklorist. Uh, or a, and he was talking about the devil's meeting and stuff. And I'm like, is this real? What is this? And then it's over within a matter of moments. Very quick. Um, uh, extra features. The director of this movie also directed the Poughkeepsie tapes. Uh, he directed Quarantine. Oh, the. The Wreck remake. Yeah, the Wreck remake. I haven't seen Wreck, but I've seen Quarantine, and I like it. Quarantine's good, but Wreck is way better. But Quarantine's totally fine, like, as a, yeah. as a remake. It's the only yeah. found footage movie that makes sense, because they're a news crew. So they're going to want to keep that camera running to capture the truth. 
<laughs> he also directed As Above, So Below, about the uh, Paris catacombs horror mm-hmm. stuff happening down there. And then he directed No Escape. Oh, that's that Paris Bronson, like, is it a drama? Is it, is it like... Owen Wilson in that? Yeah, it's the one where they move, Owen Wilson and his family move to Asia, and then uh, unrest in the town threatens the lives of this uh, wife, of this white family, so they have to escape from Asia. Mm. They're not specific about where in Asia they are. So Devil didn't kill his career. Yeah. He's had consistent work. Yeah, he's... What about the writer of this? What the heck did that guy... That guy... He um, did not do a good job, I gotta say. He Uh, has credits that uh, include, I think, that Stephen King, Stephen King adapted series. There's another case of someone's, you know, name being lent to a brand of uh, eleven twenty two sixty three. Whereas uh, Stephen King doesn't care. He's a uh... Stephen King really doesn't care. <laughs> he truly does not. Uh, yeah, he's he's. Uh, Written. Oh, he wrote Hard Candy. He wrote Hard Candy. And then 30 Days of Night, which had, those two movies were hits. And so then he was given this movie, and then that killed his career. <laughs> but he did write one episode of that 11 63 which was a hit. But that's kind of it. Like, what's what's Rupture? I haven't heard of that. Uh, but the script of this is really... Oh, the Nomi Rapace... How do you say her name? Rapassi, Rapace, Rapaki. I've heard Rapass. Rapass? Nomi Rapass. Yeah, Nomi Rapass sci-fi horror. That rupture. That was the most recent thing he wrote. Man, the devil's bad. Like, the, the, the dialogue, it's all exposition. It's all, it's terrible. I hate movies like this. Not a thrilling movie. And mm. nobody cares about this movie anymore. This movie is not touched by anybody. Nobody gives a shit. No, there are people and, uh, uh, at the video store at Vulcan Video in Glorious Austin, Texas... That still rent the village really? regularly. The vill- Oh, but Devil? The, they rent the village. Maybe the happening even rents sometimes. The people don't rent Devil. Uh, nobody rents the Devil. No. Yeah. Why would they? And actually, the most famous thing about this movie, and the only thing I ever knew about this movie before watching it for this podcast, was right before it came out, there was this very famous viral video that you've seen. I don't know if you remember this. That Perez Hilton shot and posted. Oh, I remember Perez of- in a movie theater of this trailer playing in an audience having uproarious laughter at the sight of M. Night Shyamalan's name and not taking this trailer seriously at all. And it made the rounds and it was kind of bad advertising for this movie of being like, oh no, nobody <laughs> wants this movie. Nobody's taking it seriously. Here's me in the back of an audience of like a movie theater of everybody just think treating this trailer like garbage. And that was, I remember, and I watched that. I remember that at the time. And that's all I knew about this movie was, oh, that was the trailer that everybody openly laughed at when they saw M. Night Shyamalan's name. Because at the time, it was from the post-happening, and everybody thought the happening was ridiculous. So kind of like, it it was started the beginning of the decade of his name meant something of like, ooh. And now by 2010, is that when this came out? Yeah. It turned into a joke for people. That's that's a hell of an arc. In ten years time of like, ooh, this is a stamp of ooh, what mysterious scary thing to oh, that movie's gonna be ridiculous. Nope. Ha ha ha. Uh and so it'll be interesting next month when we do The Last Airbender, because that's sort of the beginning of a whole new chapter for Chamaline of doing kind of these big movies, the kind that he's always been a fan of, like Spielberg size effects 
heavy, giant, blockbuster-type movies. How will he fare? We will know next month. Uh, in the block giant block, not blockbuster in the way that the movies had been, but blockbuster in a big, expensive, effects loud. Isn't sale. that weird? <laughs> that, that the word the word blockbuster means like a movie that like is garbage. Now, <laughs> too much now, money. like it used to mean like a movie that was a hit at the box office. Like Moonstruck was a blockbuster. Yeah, that like made monster money at the box office, and like you couldn't believe like it. But now it just means. A movie that costs a lot and probably sucks. <laughs> Which, yeah, we'll see if The Last Airbender is that or what. <laughs> I will know. Uh, is there anything else you want to add? No, to we've, we've talked about everything we possibly could talk about with Devil. And if this, isn't, if this is not our most lively episode, it's because this is not a very entertaining uh, movie. It's bad. No. Uh, I recommend nobody to watch it. Yeah, you're okay if you haven't seen yeah. this one. If you, I mean, even if you are a Shyamalan, if you're a completist of any kind, you're fine with that. He didn't even write it. One. Like, at least Stuart Little, he wrote it. You yeah. know, this one, he, he just wrote the story. Okay, it's fine. You don't, yeah. you don't need it. Nobody needs it. You look at the box, you're like, okay, an elevator. Oh, it's called Devil. Let me guess the Devil's an elevator done. The you elevator movie in your mind. I mean, if you look over. if you look at that box, it's an elevator that says Devil. Like, ooh, like, does it go down to hell? No. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it's the most boring, bland, <laughs> that would be a better unthrilling movie. version. Yeah. People go in an elevator, and then they push their floor, and it takes them to hell. That's a I better... Because elevators, you know... They they could be the source of a lot of good spooky material. Like you push the button for your floor, it opens up, and then all of a sudden you're in like a strange jungle. You, you push a button, and then you know you're in the past. Oh, like it could that be Hugh Jackman romantic comedy where he invented the elevator. Yes, where he invented the elevator, Kate and Leopold. Yeah, I like that movie. <laughs> I think that's a good movie. Better than this one. Oh, certainly. As elevator movies, theme movies go. Okay, well, um, I'm out of steam on this movie. <laughs> we were out of steam in the first five minutes, but we were able to fill an episode because we have to. It's our because job. we have our job is to. We have Ainsley Bray to help us try to talk about a, a truly mediocre movie for an hour. I think we'll have a lot more to say about Airbender because we'll also we'll be back within. The actual world of M. Night Shyamalan. The actual world of M. Night Shyamalan, an entirely different type yes, of M. Night Shyamalan movie. Thing. Movie I've never seen before. What, really? What, you've never seen it? No, that was oh, when I gave up on that's Shyamalan. That's exciting. Is this the first movie he directed post Six Sense that you haven't seen? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I saw the, I, I saw the trailer for it and like... No, I'm done. Well, don't don't I'm remember done. that. Just go in fresh with a fresh opinion. It'll be good. Oh, that's exciting. Oh, that makes me <laughs> that makes me even more excited for next month. All right, for our Christmas episode, the last Airbender next month. Do it. Um, if you're in Austin, stop by Vulcan Video uh, with <laughs> movies far better than Devil. Several thousand movies <laughs> far better than Devil. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, have a good. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming the next episode will drop before Christmas. Let's, Let's try. Hope. Let's hope. Yeah. But if not, have a happy holidays. 
But if yeah. it does, then you know, enjoy the shopping, enjoy. the shopping buy some, season. Buy some things. Don't buy anyone this movie for Christmas. Bad idea. No, if you see this in a bin for three dollars, three dollar movies at the grocery store, don't do it. Don't do it. Get the other three dollar movie instead. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and uh, where can people uh, talk about this movie and listen to our episodes? And so we are on Apple Podcasts, which is what the iTunes store for podcasts is called now. I think. So you can search for us there. We're on Stitcher Radio, where you can uh, stream us. You can uh, stream or download on our website, VM Night Shift. We're on Twitter. At least uh, we exist on Twitter. I don't think I've tweeted there in a while. And I apologize for that. But, uh, you know, I'll I'll get back out there with the tweets. <laughs> Do some social mediaizing. Yeah. Uh, we're at VM Night Shift. Uh, so if you want to communicate with us there, or you can even send us an email, vmnightshift at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, thanks for sticking with us this far. Thanks for sticking with us through Devil, which is oh a real low point thus far. And I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say it's the lowest point so far. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. So I uh, guess it's good that he didn't write a directed for his lowest point in his own career. I haven't actually made it. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So thanks. Thanks to all you listeners for sticking with us. And hopefully uh, you will be back for the, oh, what? The unknown <laughs> crazy ride that the last airbender will be. Which a lot of people, I think, haven't seen. So yeah. This will be new for all of us. <laughs> all right. Thank all you right. very much. Thank you. And we'll see you next month. Shyamalan twist.